The following podcast is sponsored by StructureTech. We are working from home all day and we're dealing with improperly installed masonry stone veneer. It appears like this is a prevalent problem across the country. Welcome everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman, as always. The what? Three-legged stool. Yes, we are now the three-legged stool. It's antique. It's really cool, kind of funky. It's got some scars on it, but it is still a three-legged stool. So I don't know where that came from. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, but it's stuck. So (laughs) welcome everybody to today's episode. We have a special guest on the line today. Her name is Yvonne, and she is here to talk to us about invasive moisture testing. And we're going to dig into a very specific situation in a very specific community here, somewhere around the Twin Cities metro area. And Yvonne's going to tell us her experience with invasive moisture testing. And and she really wanted to bring to light some concerns. These are real true concerns that are going to cost people real true money. And so I just want to preface this whole conversation that we are not going to use anybody's real name. We are not going to talk about any real addresses, but they are real. And we're just trying to protect the innocent and or guilty, depending on which part of this equation you fall into. Ruben, why don't you go ahead and give a little background here, just in case I missed anything. Sure. Well, Yvonne and I had traded a few emails after we had done the moisture testing. She had reached out to me with some questions like, hey, I've got these pictures. Do you mind if I send them to you? Because I had somebody come out and say, well, this really isn't even a big deal. And you see this huge post that's holding up the middle of the house. Well, my association head and I air quotes engineer come out and say that it's not load bearing. Oh no. And, and, you know, Yvonne knew how ridiculous this was too, but she's like, can you just weigh in on this? And I started asking her some questions saying, no, wait, I don't even see in our database. How did we end up doing moisture testing for you? What's the backstory? And Yvonne sent one of the most entertaining emails we've ever received. Oh, I thank to- you. <laughs> I had to share this with the rest of my team and we, we got a good kick, good kick out of your email, Yvonne. And we started chatting. We're like, man, she would be an awesome podcast guest. We got to have her on just to share this story. Well, thank you, Ruben. Yeah. So here we are. That's setting a little bit more of the stage from my perspective, but why don't you tell us what happened? Well, I, I only agreed to do this because I believe in what you're trying to do with education and educating the public. Like to me, this is the difference between a chef who chooses to go on the food network and a chef who goes on PBS. Like to me, you're on PBS and you are trying to educate people. And this is a teachable moment, what we're living through. And I believe in consumer protections. I believe in being educated homeowners. You you talked about running your house like a business and, and home maintenance. And so, you know, what we, we as in my, my boyfriend and I, I have to set the stage for you. So, so yeah. I sold my home and I moved in with him at the end of February, right? At the beginning of the pandemic, I moved in. So we are two people in a townhome. We combined our humane society of five animals. <laughs> um, and so we're now trapped in here and we are working from home all day and we're dealing with improperly installed masonry stone veneer. It appears like this is a prevalent problem across the country. It is a workmanship contingent product from what I've seen is not being installed 
correctly still. This place was built, you know, 2003 to 2005 by a large national home builder who shall rename nameless. And you'll be able to speak to it from the pictures, but it was improperly installed. Incorrect flashing, incorrect weep screed, incorrect termination from grade. I mean, I know more about this stuff than I care to. And, and it's become a, a saga. You know, we're, we're in the middle of it. You know, you asked me what tipped me off. Yeah. And, um, so I'm a little obsessive and I, I had heard that, you know, one of the owners here went to install hardwood floors. He purchased the unit this year and went to install. He ripped up the carpet and went to install hardwood floors. When he went to nail it down, the subfloor was squishy, you know, always a treat, right? Yeah. Um, so I heard this story from him. I just started wondering whether the conditions there might be replicated across other units. And he mentioned that, you know, there was, there was mold, there were ants, ant frass. And I, you know, started doing a little digging. I talked to the board president and I, I started becoming like increasingly concerned. And, you know, you can find out a lot of stuff on the internet. Yeah. The kicker was, was when I, I read your 2012 article in the Star Tribune. That was when I was convinced we had a real problem here. That's when you stop sleeping well at night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, in that article, you talked about improper installation. You showed pictures. You know, I kind of talked to the board president a little bit and I kind of became the chicken little of the HOA, right? Like I'm, <laughs> I'm going around like, you know, instead of the sky is falling, the walls are crumbling. You know, the walls are falling. <laughs> so I talked to him and he mentioned to me that, you know, possibly a few other owners were having problems ants, maybe some moisture in windows. And we started trying to look through the meeting minutes and whatnot. I suggested, you know, if he were going to do moisture intrusion testing, that he go with structure tech, you know? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because my dad wanted to look at a home in Grand Rapids and he said, I, I'm not interested in it unless structure tech can drive out here. And I'm like, I don't think they're going to come three and a half hours, dad. Well, I'm not interested. They know what they're doing. Do you think they'll go to Wisconsin? I was like, dad, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> the the attention to detail in your reports is you know it's amazing this is a long story it's what we've been living but basically you know i started looking at the flashing the the stone we have has a ledge antonio who works for structure tech he came out and he did the testing and, and as he pointed out you know it was tilted towards the wall this ledge and this flashing to the opposite of what it should have been mm -hmm. and you know my understanding of antonio is he had extensive experience with the eaves i think that's how, what you say eaves wall the stucco and you call this the new lumpy stucco. And so I just sort of like, I don't know, I had this like neurotic Geiger counter going on where, you know, it was like, I'd go by this wall and I just, you know, tick, tick, tick. Like it was, it was going a little nuts. And so I said to my boyfriend, I said, you know, we need to tear up the carpet. <laughs> like we have to tear up this carpet. Um, I have to see, like, I, I want to know if there's like moisture, if there, there's something, you know, I, I've been hearing all these stories and absolutely not. We're not tearing up the carpet. No, we're not tearing up the carpet. So after I tore up the carpet, <laughs> um, <laughs> very patient. After I tear up the carpet, extensive ant frass. I described it to you as an entomological Pompeii, right? Like, they, <laughs> Yeah, love that. They were stopped, but they were in the midst of, you know, they had created a currency, they had elected statesmen, right? It was <laughs> like, I don't know what was next. <laughs> so we both got that like sick feeling of, okay, this is no longer my, you know, alarmist neuroses, right? This is an issue. From what I understand about ants, we found out that ants are attracted to moisture. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, why would there be so many ants? And, you know, I, I had heard, you know, my boyfriend say, well, I had an ant problem a few years ago, but then they went away. 
And I was like, I don't know if they went away so much as they like, you know, moved. Maybe they finished what they were eating and then yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was like grounds. If you look at the pictures, there was really nothing left to eat. I think they moved to another development and they were done. The buffet was to over. another another end unit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so structure tech came out and you know, you guys did the moisture intrusion testing. And it was funny because, you know, board president of the master said, you know, called it funny science. And I was like, I really don't think this is funny science because I, I believe this is the industry standard and, and Ruben maybe you can talk more about this but I it is the industry standard is it is it not this is the industry standard there's a, a whole group that certifies people to do this type of testing called the exterior design Institute and they have a fantastic training process this is the standard all across the country if you're gonna do testing on a wall this is the process you use it's, okay. it's tried and true. Part of the frustration and part of why maybe you asked me to be a guest is because like I am the homeowner that you talk about. Like we are the end results of these poor practices. Like we are living it. I find myself having to advocate for us and in areas that, I, you know, which I'm not familiar. So I've had to get up to speed. You know, I've, I've had to say no. I, I think thermal imaging might be less reliable than moisture intrusion testing. So we did yeah. it. You know, the report showed problems across all the units. And now the story gets like really funny because this is dark humor. So the master board president and another board president, we're going to call them Brian and Keith (laughs) (laughs) to protect the innocent and accused. So they started doing the construction work themselves. Like I cannot make this up. They are not licensed contractors. We were told one person was a licensed contractor. And then we were told that this person was licensed in another state. And then we were told that they worked for a contractor once. So, you know, a seasonal job does not a contractor make. So they tore up like all of the, you know, masonry stone veneer, the amount of rot. I believe you've seen the pictures. We'll I put could pictures not on the podcast here for sure. I could not believe it. So everything, there was vinyl above, and then there was the ledge, and then there was the masonry stone going down into the mulch, which you've pictures of you know goes Mm -hmm. into the malt of course right that whole area was just rotted out at that point we were sort of in a state of shock i called the city and i i wanted to know if permits had been pulled you've talked about permits and city inspectors before i had a feeling that this was a, a structural issue and so the city inspector came out and i said to him you know if we're gonna install masonry stone veneer again we need to do it right we're not going through this a second time and you know i think in your 2012 article you said something like 90 percent are done incorrectly or you haven't really ever seen it installed correctly is that is that right back then it was unusual within the last eight years i feel like people have gotten a lot better at it but even today on new installations, maybe we're at around 50% are correct. It's pretty low, right? Considering It's pretty low. I mean, you'd think after the stucco nightmare that these builders would have learned and even some of these failures that they would have learned. So I said, you know, if, if we do this again, we weren't sure at that point what the association was going to do because the stone looks good, right? That people like the stone. You know, the stone itself, I think, is a fine product. It's, it's from what I've, I've read, it's how it's installed that makes or breaks it. I mean, it looks good. So, you know, it increases property values. I don't know, maybe it's the it's the facade of middle-class ambition, right? It says, you know, <laughs> we've arrived, <laughs> you know, and then there's a rotting, you know, underbelly, right? The, the fetid rot underneath. Is that the, this is the American this is story. A metaphor? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
That's good. Um, the reason I ended up calling Ruben was because I, I said to the city inspector, I said, I, I need to hear from you that I, I kind of like got hooked on this whole weep screed. I had never even heard of a weep screed. I thought it was screen, but it's not. It's screed with a D. And I said, look, if we're doing this again, you need to make sure that we are installing a weep screed. And this is a, a licensed, you know, city official said, well, that's not required in Minnesota. Like there's nothing that I can do to make them put one on. And what happened then was he said, look, if you can prove to me, I said, look, you got to give me a day. I'm going to like go online and I'm going to talk to some people that this is, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll keep an open mind. I'll give you my card and my email. If you can show me that we'll need one. And I, I give him credit for, for doing that because some people, I mean, they, they just shut down, right? They don't want to, yeah. they don't want to hear it, especially from someone like me, a person with no experience in construction. So I started thinking, what is the best way to convince this city inspector that this is a requirement. So I remembered from your article, you talked about the National Concrete Masonry Association. That's what it is now, the NCMA. I <laughs> went on Google and I called their corporate headquarters. I mean, this was this has been a lot of work. So I called them and I was like, is there someone who works on these guidelines? Like, is there some kind of person of authority there that I can talk to? I mean, I, I knew that, you know, calling a large organization like this, it might be hard to get to, to someone. Believe it or not, they, they got me on the phone with an engineer who writes the guidelines, which was incredible. And so I was telling her this whole saga, what do you think we should do? And she suggested writing a letter to the official. I, I, I said, you know, maybe if we both send it, he can't really ignore us. And, you know, she explained the history of the NCMA and this product and, you know, why you need to install it this way. And so the next day I, I spoke to the official and he said, well, you will be getting a weep screed. And I, I, I thought it was like, you know, an, an act of generosity. And then I realized he said, well, I guess actually Minnesota did adopt it. You do have to install it this way. And Ruben, you probably can talk more or Tessa about that. I mean, I, I believe it is, I don't know what year it was added to Minnesota code, but. You need to follow the manufacturer's installation instructions. That has been there forever. And if they have it in the instructions, you have to do it. So it's been in there for a long time. Quick question. How do you track down manufacturer's instructions? Where did this stone originate from? Whose instructions were to be followed? I mean, unless there's some imprint on the back of the stone that can identify where it came from, are we sort of swimming up a stream that dead ends at a dam? I don't know. I've never tried. I just always assume that all stone is going to follow the same installation instructions by the Adhered Concrete Masonry Veneer Manufacturers Association, which I guess has changed over to the NCMA, new abbreviation for them, but same thing. They have a really nice manual and everything should be following that. That is the standard for this product. Yvonne, were you able to track down your exact manufacturer? No, and, and my understanding is that they formed this trade association, I, I may be wrong, but to deal with the improper installation, like they realized that their product um, was at risk if this wasn't being installed correctly. And so, you know, this was their attempt at, at developing a uniform standard for all, you know, masonry, concrete, you know, veneer products. I'd be interested to hear more about the history of, you know, and identifying your manufacturer of it, but I don't know that you can always do that. So I guess where we are now is we found out, right, like no one was licensed, no one had a, a permit, you know, presidents were doing the 
the work themselves. I don't know if it was to save money, but it wasn't a good way to go. And they did bring out an engineer because the city did require it. The city issued a stop work order and the engineer they contacted said that the wall wasn't load bearing. And he said that he wouldn't touch this for $10,000. So that was the, the quote I heard. And at this point, we have Tybeck covering our house. We're in a pandemic. We're trapped in here. We're both working from home with the menagerie of pets. And, you know, we've we've tried to be polite. I've tried to educate the board president. I won't give any legal advice. I do have a legal education, but I, I did try to educate them on the benefits of seeking, you know, advice from a lawyer who works in this area, right? Like if you suspect you have a problem with this, this, this isn't a, you know, time for me or your uncle or a friend to tell you what your rights are. You have to talk to a, a licensed attorney who knows construction law, who knows HOA law. And that's complicated. That's a nuanced area. And so I cannot give any advice about that. But other than to say, talk to someone, this stuff is from my research, there are relevant statutes limitations. Oftentimes these problems are revealed after, you know, the builder is long gone and those relevant statutes have expired and you're left with possibly tens of thousands of dollars in repairs to do this right. And in our case, not sure, you know, what to do. We still don't know what we're going to do. So so I have a few things to bring up, Yvonne, because so often people just kind of get lulled into this sense of security. And I'd, I'd like to address a few things. Number one, this is a townhome. It's on the exterior. A lot of people have the idea that if you're buying a townhome, they don't, a lot of our clients will ask us, well, you don't even inspect the exterior, right? Because that's not owned by me. That's owned by the association. Can you comment on that and shed some light on this for people? Well, it's difficult, I would say. I don't fully know the answer. And that that is part of why I have advised my boyfriend to seek legal counsel, because the lines can get blurred pretty easily. I would say, you know, to people who have this false sense of complacency about the exterior, it's, you know, if they're going to repair this wall, some of the drywall inside the house is going to be impacted, right? Like they're now talking about possibly having to tear out the actual interior drywall to rebuild the framing. Homes are, you know, interconnected, as you know, you know, and then this other idea of, well, the HOA maintains it. It's like, well, you are the HOA, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, this, they, they are going to fix it. They is you, right? you, you are the HOA. So at the end of the day, like there will not be a clear winner in this. Like, this is not something I, I revel in, or I'm excited about, you know, I, you know, people hate lawyers until they need one. This is not a, a good thing, right? Like at the end of the day, it's the homeowners. It's, it's the members of this community who've agreed to these covenants who are going to be holding the bag, all of us. Like we're here for the good of snow removal and shared lawn maintenance. And we're here for the bad of crumbling walls. Sure. So another question for you, when was this townhome built? The tax record says 2004 and I called the builder and the builder says in their records, 2005. Okay. All right. Just getting a general idea. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to paint a narrative for when a lot of this stuff had a lot of problems. And we typically say, 
pretty much very late 80s up through today. There is no date where we say, oh, it was all good after this point. So somewhere around 2004 or five. And it's funny because, you know, you've talked about this and in the industry, you know about him, Ben Hendricks out of Kentucky, ABI Home Inspections. He's like a nationally recognized expert in masonry, stone or veneer failures. And I had, I've looked at his blog and I've looked at yours and oftentimes there's no indication of failure, right? Like you look at this stuff. Ours looked good. It was a good looking product. Again, it's, it goes down to installation. And some of the units I started seeing some signs of, of possible moisture issue. You know, you, you can talk about the some of the cracking. And I started seeing like signs of dampness staining. And that was where I became, you know, more suspicious. But for the most part, you don't know that there's a, a problem until you're oftentimes looking at a, a huge structural failure. If, if you get to that point with this stuff, it's like, it almost feels like it's it's too late. Yeah. Here's another point I want to bring up, Yvonne, is that we as home inspectors, when we're thinking about problematic areas, we're, we're mostly focused on roof wall intersections where you need to have the right flashing there. And we're focused on openings and walls around windows and doors, decks, things like that where water can get in. But at your unit, you had nothing of the sort. There were no gaps, no nothing. It was just a short little wall. I mean, like what, three feet, four feet high at most? Mm -hmm. Yeah, causing all these problems. I did nerd out on one of your training videos for inspectors and you talked a lot about eaves. <laughs> I don't want the fancy gourmet white kitchen in the future. I want eaves, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, baby, eaves. Welcome to our world. Yes. I mean, yeah. I, I had no idea, right? And this this goes back to education. I mean, a part of me, I, I start questioning. I've talked about this, the removal from higher education of home ec, right? Like I, I do kind of wonder if we're not being taught, you know, these basics of home maintenance, of um, home repair, you know, how to protect our homes. You talked about the business of running a home. People don't teach us this. And I, you know, I, I guess that's what, you know, home inspections are for. And let me tell your listeners, get a home inspection, please. Amen. So Thank you. I actually sold my last home to a buyer with no home inspection. You know, obviously I can't make people, but you're, you're making it a huge financial investment, right? Like this is probably the biggest financial investment. You know, I'd ask my boyfriend if, if whether he had his inspection, whether any of these issues were revealed. And I, I don't know that they were, we haven't definitively determined that, you know, he purchased it in 2009. So I'm not sure, but you know, education, I mean, this, this is really important. And, and I know there are, there are people who know way more than I do, of course. Right. And I'm, I want to listen to them. I mean, Antonio, when he came out here had so much good advice, you know, what correct flashings look like, what, you know, eaves you want and why he's not as concerned about the stone veneer on the front, because there's a huge eave. We're not as worried about the water getting in. It's a learning lesson. And I, I hope that other people across the Twin Cities, across the country, if you have any national listeners, I mean, if you have this product on your home, like consider having moisture intrusion testing done by a licensed inspector. 
look into it because a lot of the relevant statutes of limitations have expired. You know, that's something we're looking into, but you really don't want to be left holding the bag with this. Like if you have a suspicion about it, you know, I would suggest investigating it. So I'd like to jump in. I have a couple questions on clarification here. You said that these two gentlemen who were part of the board were part of the installation. Were they part of the repair or were they part of the initial installation? So they weren't part of the installation that occurred years earlier. We don't have a new product on our wall. We just have Tyvek. They're calling it the demolition part. Okay. So we remain at demolition <laughs> um, going into winter in Minnesota with, you know, snow that piles up. They misquoted Antonio because I was here. He actually happened to come back out and he was in the neighborhood, which I think should tell you something about the need for moisture intrusion testing that he happened to just be in this suburb. We both like kind of yeah. laugh because my boyfriend's like, isn't it funny that he's out here again in, the, in this area? You know, we wonder mm-hmm. how many other people are dealing with this. And I look around and I see a lot of it, but he was in the neighborhood and he just wanted to stop by and he didn't know all the drama that's going on. He was just looking at it. And what he said was, it's good. You found it now, right? Like it's, it's good that this has happened, that it's out there. Well, the HOA took that and said, just as Antonio said, your wall is in a better condition now than what it was before. Antonio oh my said, goodness. It's good that you found this so you can, you know, remediate it. And, you know, people aren't going to be hurt when walls collapse. So that's what we're dealing with right now. And then second question, Ruben, this goes to you. Typically behind this product, the Tyvek should go all the way down to the bottom. Does the, the Tyvek or the building paper end and then the tar paper begin? Just can you give well, me- Well, a- you're using a lot of specific terms and I'd say, let's just make it more generic and say the water resistive barrier. Okay. Whatever you're going to put behind it, that's going to keep water from reaching the wood at your home. That goes behind all of this. And there's always an assumption that water is going to get behind this. This is not a waterproofing membrane that you're putting on the outside of the house. I mean, we got a great video where I pour water on the stuff and you can see all the water just gets soaked right into it like a sponge. Water gets in there. You need a layer to keep the water from reaching wood and anything that's going to rot. Does that answer your question, Bill? Yeah, but I'm just wondering, is there a double, triple layer of membrane by the time you get to this product or it's hard to know? No, you shouldn't have a double or triple layer of water resistive whatever, unless you're going with tar paper. I mean, maybe then you'll have a couple layers, but any high-end installation today is going to have a really specific proprietary type of water resistive barrier where it's, it's a drainage mat. It's a drainage screen. And it, it does a really good job of making sure nothing gets through there with one layer. Well, thank you for that clarification, because I know I'm a visual guy. And so it's nice to sort of see behind the veneer. Wow, Yvonne, that's quite a story. And we could probably go on for hours and hours upon this, but we don't have time for that on this episode. But I want to thank you for sharing with us. I'm sure this is fraught with emotion and both, you know, just the uncertainty, but also the financial side of it. So thanks for sharing. I hope somebody else can learn just even in the buying process, take that one extra step, get that one extra test done, and hopefully you can avoid a bigger problem down the line. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. Thanks for listening and we will catch you next time. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech.com.